Numbers chapter 5, verses 5 through 10. Here's the, here's the word of the Lord. It says, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the people of Israel. When a man or woman commits any of the sins that people commit by breaking faith with the Lord, and that person realizes his guilt, he shall confess his sin that he has committed, and he shall make full restitution for his wrong, adding a fifth to it, and giving it to him to whom he did the wrong. But if the man has no next of kin to whom restitution may be made for the wrong, the restitution for wrong shall go to the Lord for the priest, in addition to the ram of atonement with which atonement is made for him. And every contribution, all the holy donations of the people of Israel, which they bring to the priest, shall be his. Each one shall keep his holy donations, whether anyone gives to the, whatever anyone gives to the priest shall be his. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for your love for us. We thank you for your word. We pray that you would help us to grow this morning. I pray that if there's ways where you, where we, where we need um, courage, God, strength, where we need more faith and confidence in you, uh, whatever we need, God, I pray that you would you would um, increase that in us as we gather around your word, that you would grow us in your grace. We are depending upon you for this. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right, so what do what do believers do if we've sinned against somebody? If you, if you sinned against someone, what should you do? You're a believer, you're a Christian, um, but, but you have sinned against someone in your life. You've, you've lied about them, or you've cheated them, or you've cheated on them, or you've stolen from them, or you, you've gossiped about them. You've mistreated someone in some way. What do you, what do, you do about that? What is the Christian supposed to do? What is the believer supposed to do when they sin against someone? This passage tells us we are to make restitution. We are to make restitution. Restitution is a, is a fun word. We probably don't use it too often. There's probably a few of you who are, who would it'd be tough to kind of remember what that word means. Um, restitution, if you were to go back to the um, 14th century, um, I think it comes from Latin or from French, and none of you care, so it doesn't really matter. But it, uh, but it, it comes from a word that means to restatue. It means It comes from a word that means to reset up a statue. To rest, restitution is restatuing. It has a, I mean, you can, if you had a mental picture of someone knocking over a statue, and then for them to make restitution, they'd have to go pick that statue up and put it back where it belongs. It has the idea of making things right. My children, every once in a while, get carried away and they knock something over. Something that my, my wife cares about. And so they know probably best to make restitution right away before mom comes into the room. So we pick everything back up real quick. And sometimes I help them. Because maybe it was my fault. We make restitution. We make 
things right. We make things right. God is saying to the believers here, when you sin against each other, when you defraud each other, when you steal from each other, when you take from each other, when you hurt each other through your words, through your actions, you have to make it right. You have to make restitution. You have to put things back the way they should be. Now, before we get started, we have to kind of ask ourselves, what does this set of verses from Moses' day have to do with us? Does, it, does this really apply to us? The book of Numbers, there's these laws on the books. These laws aren't on the books anymore. They're, 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 we don't have these kind of laws governing um, believers of, of 2020. So no, we, these, aren't, these aren't laws that we have to carry out to the letter. But, but we have to get this. We have to understand that these laws here absolutely reveal God's heart for his people. They absolutely reveal principles that God is saying to the believers. If you handle things this way, life goes way better for you. And it goes way better for the people in your life. And, and you're, you, you will honor and glorify me much better if you handle your sin against other people. If you handle it this way. God is saying, this is what it looks like to take your sin seriously. So, so no, we don't have to look at these, these laws and say we have to carry them out to the, to the letter. But they do show us how we should be living today. Principles that should be guiding us. We see this in the New Testament. Jesus himself says, So if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, Leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother. And then come and offer your gift. The, the, the New Testament teaches us to keep short accounts with people. To confess our sin. To make things right. To make sure that there's not, there's not sin and guilt in between us and our fellow Christians. The New Testament gives us this kind of instruction. And Jesus gives us this kind of heart. You think about the story of Zacchaeus from, from Luke chapter 19. When, when salvation comes to Zacchaeus' home, when, Zac, when salvation comes to Zacchaeus' heart, when Jesus changes Zacchaeus by his grace from the inside out, Zacchaeus goes to make restitution. The, 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 the thing that fills his heart, I want to go and make it right. I have stolen from people. I have gotten rich off of other people. I have defrauded people. I need to go and restore it. I need to make things right. This is the heart of the believer. This is the heart of the one who Jesus has changed. We want to clean up the messes that we have made. And so, we look at Numbers chapter 5, and yes, it is ancient. And yes, there are parts of it that just belong to a different culture a different civilization. But there are principles here that are multi-generational. They're good for any generation we might find ourselves in. They show us the, the heart of the believer, the heart that God wants us to have. So, so what do we do if we're a believer and we have sinned against our neighbor? We have sinned against a fellow Christian. We have sinned against someone in our life. What do we do? We have a we have a three-step process here. Three-step process in these verses. 
and you're not going to like any of these steps. I didn't like any of these steps. Didn't like them. You're not going to like them. But they're good for us. They help us to see how much God wants us to hate our own sin. So, step one, from verses five and six, we need to realize our guilt. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the people of Israel when a man or woman commits any of the sins that people commit by breaking faith with the Lord, and that person realizes his guilt. And we'll stop right there, because we have to understand first and foremost that we just need to realize our guilt. We need to own the fact that we have done something wrong. Now, this is weird. The, the book of Numbers is a weird book. Um, one, one pastor or commentator said it's kind of like when you go to the grocery store. Like, I don't understand grocery stores. I don't understand them. I mean, and, 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 and so the thing, the reason I don't understand them is because I don't know how to bake. They're set up for people who know how to bake. And so they make sense if you know what you're doing. If you know how recipes work, if you know how baking works, makes no sense to me. I don't know how to bake. Numbers is kind of like that. Because, because we have, this is an interesting book. Because for the first four chapters, God is setting up the camp, right? He's setting up the camp. He's saying, you, you, you gather around the tabernacle, you get your priests and your Levites, and then you get the, and then you get the, uh, the other tribes, and they're around that. And so we have the camp established. And then on the outside of the camp, we have everyone unclean. And so we have our camp set up. We have it organized. And now he's going to tell the people how to live. But he doesn't, I mean, he doesn't give hardly any of the laws that Leviticus has. He, he gives this law here, which is, he is reminding them, he's highlighting a law from Leviticus chapter 6, verses 1 through 7. He's, he's highlighting a law. God is, after he's got the camp set up, he's telling them, um, I, uh, he's giving them a few laws, a few things they have to do. Um, and this is the one he chooses from Leviticus chapter 6, verses 1 through 7. He could have chosen a lot of stuff. He decides to highlight this. And so, and so he's reminding them of this law here from Leviticus chapter 6. It says, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, if anyone sins and commits a breach of faith against the Lord by deceiving his neighbor, all right, so that's what we're talking about here. When a man or woman commits any of the sins that people commit by breaking faith with the Lord in verse 5. We're talking about this law here from Leviticus 6. He, he commits a breach of faith against the Lord. He deceives his neighbor in a matter of deposit or security or through robbery, or if he has oppressed his neighbor or has found something lost and lied about it. Uh, oh, I thought that was mine, you know. Or, and swearing falsely in any of the things that people do and sin thereby. If he has sinned and has realized his guilt and will restore what he took by robbery or what he took, what he got by oppression or the deposit that was committed to him or the lost thing that he found or anything about which he has sworn falsely, he shall restore it in full and shall add a fifth to it and give it to him to whom it belongs on the day he realizes his guilt. And so here in this, list, this Leviticus law, it's like before the guy gets caught, right? Before the guy gets caught, he realizes, oh man, I stole from my neighbor. I bullied or I extorted from my neighbor or I found that thing that I knew belonged by, to my neighbor and I pocketed it and I pretended like it was mine. I have taken from my neighbor. And so when he realizes that, when he realizes that, he realizes his guilt, he should go to his neighbor right away and confess and make restitution. 
And now restitution here means, like if I, for instance, um, for instance, some of you raise chickens. Alright? And I, whatever. I'm going to reserve comment. You raise chickens, and that's great because sometimes I get free eggs out of the deal. So, you just keep raising your chickens, and whatever. I'll keep waiting around until someone gives me free eggs. So anyhow, um, it seems like a, it seems like a win-win for us because you like raising chickens. So this is this is working out great. So you do you. Anyhow, so but imagine, and this is never going to happen. But imagine if I, in the middle of the night, said, "You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to stop waiting around for free eggs. I'm going to go in there. And I'm going to steal ten of those chickens." That's what I'm going to do because this seems like a great idea. I'll put them in my shed. I have a shed, and. I'll put some hay in there or something, and this will be fine. I'll poke a hole in the side. This will be. This is going to be great. I know nothing about raising chickens. I'm never going to steal them. Your chickens are safe. But anyhow, I steal ten chickens. Well, the next day, I feel bad about this, and I and I take them back to you. This law says, you 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 give the ten chickens back, but you also give a couple other chickens. If you don't have a couple other chickens, you give money for a couple other chickens. You, you pay 120%. You add a fifth to it, is what this is saying. You make it right. You did what was wrong. You make it right. And so, and really, a fifth, this is just interest. This is just interest on a loan back then. So this is, I mean, this is incredible mercy from God. This is incredibly merciful. If you, if you were to go to... Um, and we're not going to read all of it, but it, there are laws in Exodus 21 and 22 that talk about someone, and it's not chickens, it's not chickens here or there, but, it, but it, the, the, the principle is if I, would, if I would go and steal ten chickens from the fishers, if I went I broke into their chicken barn or whatever, I don't know, anyhow, you know what I'm talking about, and you, you, I break in, I steal ten chickens, and then I just go on my merry way, Exodus 21 would say, you know what, if Steve steals those chickens... He kills them, he sells them, he eats them, whatever, and then he gets caught. Later on, he has to pay back 50 chickens. You have to pay back five-fold. Four or five-fold what you've stolen if you get caught. If you get in trouble, and then you, then you feel guilty. Oh, I feel bad now that, I've done, that I'm in trouble. What God is saying here, what he's building into life here is that you keep short accounts with people. There is, there is, and, and I think we know this too, if we, if we scan back over our lives, there is mercy for those who confess before they get caught. Whose conscience arrests them. Who the Holy Spirit gets a hold of them. The, the, the Holy Spirit convicts them. Works on their conscience. There is mercy for those who say, before they get caught, before they, before they get arrested, before the shackles come on them, before the public opinion turns against them, before, when they, just, they just fess up and they say, this was wrong, I'm sorry. Here's your chickens back, or whatever. I'm sorry. We, we have something, it's a gift from God, in a couple of different ways. If you're sitting here this morning or this week and you, and you realize, or you're listening on the live stream and you realize, wow, I have sinned against someone. I have defrauded them. I have stolen from them. 
I have, I have taken their peace of mind. I've taken their sense of security. I've taken some of their reputation. I have, I have cheated my, my boss out of money or my, cheated my boss out of time or I have, I have sinned against someone in my life. If you realize that guilt, that's God's grace to you. That's God's grace to you that you're not blind to that. That you're not hardened to that. That's God's grace to you. And He has built He has built into the way life goes. It doesn't always work, but He has built into the way life goes. If we fess up, if we realize our guilt and we own it, before we get into trouble, it goes much better for us. These principles are timeless. God has built them into Leviticus and Numbers. Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. God has been giving them to His people. And they're for us today as well. If you you feel bad about something you've done, if you've sinned, and you just realize your sin, that's great. That's God's gift to you. Own that. Don't deny it. Don't suppress it. Don't lie to yourself. We have to realize our guilt. That's step one. And then number two, though, we can't obviously just stop at realizing our guilt. Step two, we need to confess our sin. We need to confess our sin. Verses 6 and 7 say, Speak to the people of Israel. When a man or woman commits any of the sins that people commit by breaking faith with the Lord, so they've, they've done something, right? They've stolen, they've defrauded, they've, they've oppressed, and they've said, Oh, no, I swear by the name of the Lord, I didn't do it. But then later, they realize their guilt. That person realizes his guilt. He shall confess his sin that he has committed. Now, this is the one... This is the one. Whenever I encourage someone to confess their sin, whenever someone, and, or, or maybe I'm encouraging myself to confess my sin, it's, this is in all of us. This is in all Christians. We love the idea of just confessing to God. Right? Isn't it enough that I feel bad about what I've done, and isn't it enough that I've confessed to God? Maybe you're a husband in here, and you've, you've been looking at porn- pornography, or you're a wife who's been, been insulting your husband behind his back, or you're a student who's cheated on a test, or the cashier gave you too much change, or you've broken promises to your family and lied about it, or you, you lied to protect your reputation, or you've used money that doesn't belong to you, you've, you've, you've sinned. And you feel bad about it. Temptation for me and the temptation for you is to just confess to God. Just to tell God we're sorry. And of course we're thinking, but isn't that enough? Because, because aren't all sins actually against God? I mean, they're all ultimately against God. That's what makes sin, sin, right? So as long as I'm confessing to God, that eh, should be good. That's the way we're tempted. Well, that's the way I'm tempted. I'm guessing that's the way you're tempted. And, and the truth is that yes, all sins are ultimately against God. This is what makes sin, sin, is that it, it transgresses God's law. Um, so yes, it, that is true. Absolutely. And should we confess to God? Absolutely we should. And that, that's kind of the point of verses 8 through 10, I think. When the 
when they go to make restitution, if you've, if you've stolen ten chickens from someone and then you feel bad about it and you want to go and you want to go, you want to go give them money for twelve chickens or whatever, you want to make restitution and you find that the people that you stole from are dead. And then you look for their family members and all their family members are dead. This is never probably going to happen. This is a really weird exception clause in this law. And I don't even, it's, it's, it's a weird one. It's a weird one. I don't even know how often it would have happened. But God says, if that happens, and you can't go and find the person that you're supposed to pay back, then you go and you, you pay the priest. You give your money to the Lord for the ministry at the tabernacle. To, 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 to give to the priest. The priest will accept the restitution money. This proves that yes, ultimately, absolutely, all sins are sins against God. So why, million dollar question, if I sin against my wife and and I know it was wrong, I looked at something I shouldn't have, purposefully, intentionally looked at something I shouldn't have. And I know that that's just cheating on her. It's betraying her and it's stealing it's stealing joy from her. It's, it's, it's stealing a sense of security and sense of being appreciated and loved. I'm stealing from her. And I know it was wrong. It was a sin against her. It just was. But all sins are ultimately against God. So why can't I just confess to Him? The number one reason? Because He says No. He says, yes, this sin is against me. And you go, tell the person that you sinned against. Yes, this sin is ultimately against me. And this is how I want you to deal with it. And I think we know inside why we just want to confess to God. Because it's easier. God knows what I looked at. God knows the lies I told. God knows when I pocketed that money. I'm just admitting to God something he already knows. And then going on my merry way. No. No, God wants us to hate our sin, and he wants us to courageously battle against our sin. God wants us to stop the stuff that we are doing. And the way forward, God is saying to us, God is saying the way forward to making things Right to setting that statue back up. You you can't you 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 can't just pretend that it's not fallen down. You can't just say, God, I'm sorry, I knocked it down, and then keep going with your life. God is saying, No. If you're going to hate your sin, if you're going to get actual traction against your sin, you need to go tell the person you sinned against. You need to go tell that teacher, that professor, I cheated on this test. That's messy. That is ugly. That's going to be a pain. Yes. Yes. This helps us to start hating our sin the way God hates our sin. So have you sinned against someone? I encourage you. Go tell them. Go tell them. We must realize our guilt. Step two, we must confess our sin. And then step three... We need to make it right. Verse 7, He shall confess his sin that he has committed, and he shall make full restitution for his wrong, adding a fifth to it, and giving it to him to whom he did the wrong. We need to make it right. 
We need to pay back the money we stole. If we, if we lied to a person, and then we just went on our merry way, we need to go to that person and say, I lied. I wanted you to be impressed with me, or I wanted you to, to, to not be impressed with them, or I, I wanted to get out of an awkward conversation. I didn't want to help you when you asked, will you help me? So I made something else. I, I lied to you. I lied to you. And I'm sorry. If you've cheated on your wife by looking at pornography, you go tell her. You've stolen from her. You pick that statue up and you get it back where it belongs. And yes, that's going to take a long time. It's going to take a a lot of work. When we lie, when we gossip, when we cheat on a test, when we cheat our employer, there are going to be concrete things that we have to do to make things right. And then there are going to be a lot of just really (laughs) difficult conversations. It's going to be messy not going to be easy. But when we realize our guilt, we must confess our sin. We must work hard to make things right. That God envisions for His people in this, in this camp. He envisions in, with, for His people, He envisions them hating their own sin and keeping short accounts with each other. And saying, I did this, it was wrong, please forgive me. And just doing that right away. Killing sin right at the root. Not letting stuff fester and, 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 become, uh, and become poisonous. And decay and rot relationships. He, he wants people to keep short accounts with each other. And to be honest with each other. And yes, it's messy. But it was your sin. It's your sin. Do you actually hate your sin? And do you want to take care of it the the way God has called us to take care of it? Now, the question that's always in my mind, the question that makes me tremble when I go to confess to someone when I go to say, I'm sorry, this is what I've done, I should not have done it. I want to make it this right. My, my, the, the question that always makes me tremble is, what if this blows up in my face? What if I confess my sin and they want nothing to do with me? What if this makes our relationship awkward for years? What if that happens? Well, it could happen. It could. And we know that. So we need courage. And where do we find that courage? We find that courage in what makes us believers to begin with. We find that courage in what what gives us our standing and our confidence before God to begin with. The the atonement. If we're going to have the courage to keep short accounts with people, to be honest with people, to do the hard work of making things right, if we're going to have that kind of courage to fight hard against our sin, we must trust in the atonement. Our parallel passage that I read, the, the, the Leviticus law that, that Numbers is lifting this from, 
because our numbers passage mentions the atonement. It sort of assumes the atonement. Our, Our Leviticus passage says, and he shall bring to the priest as his compensation to the Lord a ram without blemish out of the flock or its equivalent for a guilt offering. We, we must make a, a guilt offering before God. And the priest shall make atonement for him before the Lord. And he shall be forgiven for any of the things that one may do and thereby become guilty. In the Old Testament, how were believers right before God? How could they stand forgiven before God? What was the system that God had in place? It was the guilt offering. It would never have been enough for one Old Testament believer to forgive another Old Testament believer. Oh, well, I guess we're good now. We can go on our merry way. No, they must be Because all sin is ultimately against God, they must be forgiven by God. They must stand clean before God. So how do we do this? How do we do this? With a guilt offering. When they realize their guilt, they take a lamb, the the Numbers passage calls it a ram of atonement. They take it and they, they ask God to forgive them based on the shed blood of that lamb. And this is what New Testament believers do as well. Of course, our ram of atonement, our guilt offering is Jesus. And He had a once and for all final, it is finished, sacrificial atonement for us. Isaiah 53 calls Jesus our offering for guilt. Our guilt offering. It uses the same exact words that that Leviticus uses. Jesus is our guilt offering. Jesus is the one who atones. He pays for our sin. He is the one who makes us right before God. And so this is what, this is how we become believers in the first place. By God's grace, we realize that we stand guilty before God and we trust in Jesus and we believe His gospel. It's essential. That's a, this is how we become believers. And I hope that you are a believer. I hope that you have trusted Jesus as your Savior. That He is the offering for your sin. His shed blood is the basis for God forgiving you. This is what we must trust in. And then, as we go forward then in our Christian life, this is what we draw courage from. The truth, the, 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 the all-encompassing truth that God has forgiven us because Jesus offered Himself up as our guilt offering. We, we remember that. When our, when our lips and our hands start to tremble as we go to, to say to that person that we love, I lied to you. I'm sorry. It was stupid. It was proud. It was arrogant. It was defensive. It was fearful. And I lied to you. And I'm sorry. Here's the truth. I'm sorry. I've knocked the statue down and I want to set it back up again. I don't want you to believe that thing. I want you to believe the truth. I'm sorry. And I know that God has forgiven me. I know that Jesus died so that I wouldn't have to pay for this foolishness that I've done. We have, we have this foundation knowing that come what may, we stand clean and clear before God because of the shed blood of Jesus. I will tell you, and my wife always laughs at me because I always give these percentages and they're based on nothing. They're just based on little numbers I make up in my head. But I will tell you that 88% of the time, if you go to a Christian, if I go to Joel and I say, Joel, I should not have said that about that person. I shouldn't have said that about that person. It was untrue. It was spiteful. It was wrong. 
I wanted you to think less of them. I wanted you to think more of me. This is embarrassing, but I'm sorry. Joel's going to say, I forgive you. 88% of the time, I love numbers, so that, I, I, I could be wrong. It could be 89, could be 78, could be 94, I don't know. Most of the time, Christians extend mercy, don't they? You confess your sin to a Christian, they're going to remember, Jesus has forgiven me so much more than this. I'm glad to forgive you. I'm glad to quickly forgive you, never hold this against you. Does it sometimes blow up in our face? Yes, unfortunately. Have we seen ugly stuff happen? Yes. Have we confessed our sin to people and they hated us and we thought, whoa, what's that? what happened? Yeah, yeah, that, that, that could happen. But even if that happens, let me, let me tell you that, that God, God is still with you because of Jesus. God is still taking care of you. God is still protecting you. God is, even, even when some of our relationships are damaged and, and it's our own sin and now it's their sin and it's a mess and we, can't, we don't see a way forward, that happens. God is still with us. And I want to just say one, one thing. I'm aiming for 10.30 to, to, to be done and I've, we've got time-ish. One thing and, and then I'm done. It's possible, it's possible this morning that you don't feel all that great. You, you feel sort of, if it just feels like your conscience is against you. If it, you, you you're, you're, you're tired on the inside. You feel bad on the inside. You don't feel great about yourself, and you don't feel great about your relationship to God. You just, you're struggling on the inside this morning. It could be. Now, there's lots of reasons for that kind of stuff. Humans are interesting creatures. So there's lots of reasons for that kind of stuff. But here's a possibility. Maybe it's because you've sinned against someone. You've sinned against someone. The statue's knocked over. You confessed it to God. That didn't feel like enough. And, and maybe they don't even know that you've sinned against them. But you feel it anytime you talk to them. And it almost, what happens with us is it almost feels like they're angry at us and we don't, we didn't even, they don't even know what we've done. They're not angry at us. We're just projecting that on them. We're weird. We're weird. We got issues. God is giving us a way forward here. Do you understand that? God is giving us a way forward. He's saying keep short accounts with people. He's saying, if you've sinned against someone, you own it. You say, I did this. I'm sorry. I'm wrong. How can I make it right? How can I make it up to you? What can I do going forward to make this better? This helps us. God is, God is not... Here, here's the thing. God doesn't want you to be this, this anxious, fearful person. He wants you to know the joy of your salvation. And God knows we sin. God knows we sin. God knows we, in the heat of the moment, we do things, we say things, we wish we would have never done, wish we would have never said. He's giving us a way forward here. He doesn't want us to live jaded. He doesn't want us to live fearful. He doesn't want us to live feeling bad about ourselves all the time. That's not what he wants. He wants us to realize our guilt, fess up, 
make it right. This is his kindness to us. And in the gospel, he is giving us strength to live this kind of life. He is giving us courage and peace to live this kind of life. Let's do life God's way and let's know the joy of our salvation. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for your word. And we thank you that Jesus Christ is with us. Come what may. He is with us. And he is, he is with us when, 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 we, when we mess our relationships up. He is with us when we ask for forgiveness. He is with us when people either forgive us or don't. He is with us day in, day out, giving us strength, giving us joy, making us right before you, ushering us into your throne room where we can find peace, where we can find wisdom, where we can find comfort. We thank you for the gospel of Jesus Christ. We pray that we would find strength to live life the way you would have us to live. We, we, we pray that we would keep short accounts. By your grace, we'd keep short accounts of people in our lives, and that we would know the joy of our salvation. We're depending upon you for this, God. Please help us. In Christ's name, amen.